Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about the series, uh, excuse me, about the uh, this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery, starting off great so far. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I gotta tell you, uh, I always considered myself to be a nerd, but I have never played the auto-nim game with anybody. Wow, those Starfleet guys are nerds. Uh, joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek Podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Welcome back, Ella. Thank you. Have you ever played the auto-nim game? I can't say that I have. <laughs> I never uh, Googled it. It's real. So anyway, uh, it's good, good, good on them. It's a bunch of scientists and explorers in Starfleet. I expect something like that. So no hate, no shame. Uh, hey, Ella, do you have you ever played VR, a VR game? Um, Is that what the kids are doing these days? Not. I mean, maybe the rich kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, I see you that one, and I'll call. Uh, I have not either, but I just wanted to say that I played VR for the first time today, and this isn't technically an ad, but I am uh, wanting people to know about it. I played the Star Trek Dark Remnant VR game, which is now available at most Dave and Buster's. Uh, definitely in America. I don't know. You might be out of luck if you are overseas. But what it is is it's one of those things where you sit down, and you get the goggles, and you get the hand thing, you know, and then it's like a whole immersive VR experience you go on a Starfleet mission, like a rescue mission, and you're on one of those tilty, you're in like a chair and the chair goes around when you're flying and they blow wind in your face. And it was just, it was incredible. Like, I, I never want to play a, a non-VR video game ever again. I have never wanted to go to Dave and Buster's until this <laughs> <Yes>. moment. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I come from an earlier age. I don't think I've been in an arcade for almost like 15, 20 years. Like back in the days of the... Um, aladdin's castle where it was like dark uh smoky because you could smoke indoors back then and it was that sort the of good old days. yeah the good old days yeah no windows because it's like a casino you don't want anybody to know that there's an outside world and you play spy hunter or something like that but now <laughs> arcades are back in force definitely at dave and busters they've got all these games everything's a shoot this dance that you know they they have life-size rock'em sock'em robots like man-sized rock'em sock'em <laughs> robots oh no to fight with so yeah um if dave and buster's looking to sponsor a star trek podcast we're right here and we almost always get our intro right so um before we move on uh did you get a chance to see the new uh episodes of the new premiere of twilight zone at all i haven't <laughs> oh okay that's okay it wasn't your homework or anything but if you get a chance to uh see them in the future we should definitely talk about them uh, i'll say um interesting so far i guess i won't give my whole review away but they are definitely trying something different but something that really stood out for me was they are um adult and not adult like really oh, they're just you know they're r-rated it's it's not under the fcc it's cbs all access so you get some f-bombs in there like the first the very first one is about a comedian a stand-up comedian and so, you know, I mean, it just seems like that sort of salty language sort of fits into that comedy club world. But I was a little taken aback. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't see Rod Serling coming out and just picture a man who's beyond sight and effing sound. Like, it's, you know, it was a little, uh, little off-putting. It's about a comedian who gets to make a reboot of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. And it's funny because uh, Jordan Peele does host it, and he is so... It's almost like asking Jim Carrey to host it. Like, he can play a lot of different roles, but he's so animated. He's known for that. And as a former performer myself, I feel like 
I see him when he comes out and does his is a man and he's in the Twilight Zone. Like I feel like he is holding very still because even the slightest like eyebrow arch, you know, I'm just trained to think like, oh, he's being funny. Oh, he's doing a funny thing. He's got to be yeah, really it's 100% Jordan Peele. Real straightforward. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, check it out uh, if you can. Maybe we'll talk about it in the future. Uh, I don't really have any specific Trek news to talk about before we get into tonight's episode. But I did want to know if you knew about the Borgs. Did you know that the control AI is maybe the source of the Borg? <laughs> it seems like every single post I've seen on social media is like everybody's theory about why control is the Borg or why control isn't the Borg. And I wondered if 95% of Star yeah. Trek Twitter is yes. just, it's the Borg. And the other 5% is me tweeting about Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> did you have a, <laughs> did you have an opinion on that in particular? If if it's the Borg, I I will be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I for me at this point, like I just want to move on. Really, like I just want kind of a, a resolution. <clears throat> we knew that going into this season, with it being focusing on the Enterprise um, pre TOS and Pike and all that stuff, I knew that there would be these little shout outs, kind of references, uh, canon tweaks. But it's like I just want them to just get to it at this point. Like I feel like their attitude for a lot of their changes, a lot of the chances they've taken in the show have been to put something out there. People react sometimes negatively and they pull it back. It's like with the Klingons. They went with this thing with the Klingons. People kind of freaked out and then they went, oh, forget about it. They got hair now and they're all just doing the same thing. And I almost feel like I think in their minds this could be the Borg, but they're kind of waiting to see what people think <laughs> you about to it. See if everyone's yeah. mad about it. <laughs> yeah. And if everybody's really mad about it, they can just go, well, they're just, uh, you know, it's just another cyber thing. But if they're not mad, maybe they can have, after whatever the resolution of the season is, like one guy is flying away in a ship and he's like, hmm, maybe a collective is what we need. And we just sort of plant that seed. <laughs> I hope not. That's the last line this season. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, maybe resistance is futile. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, and that's going to kind of color my entire um, spiel for this whole show because I just I'm glad it's just us tonight uh, because I want to vent some of my frustrations about the show. (laughs) Your Honor, permission to treat the series as hostile. I want to go in a little bit on some stuff, but we'll get to that. Permission uh, for Aaron to spill the tea. (laughs) Yeah, tea is going to be everywhere uh, for sure. Uh, So anyway, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, We're talking about the 12th episode of Star Trek Discovery season two. It's called Through the Valley of Shadows, and we're here to break it down for you. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Through the Valley of Shadows is a fourth signal leads the USS Discovery to an insular world where Pike is forced to make a life-changing choice. Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship gone rogue, leading to a discovery with catastrophic consequences. This episode was written by Boyan Kim and Erica Lippolt. Uh, they are also working on the Section 31 series, which is in development. So this is right in their wheelhouse. And it's directed by Douglas Arniakoski. He previously directed Lethe in Season 1, The Sound of Thunder in Season 2, and The Short Trek, The Brightest Star. Ah, uh, boy, let's see. We usually like to dig into theories uh, before we get started on the episode proper. Uh, what do you think about what's going on with the lights? We've got four down. 
I never felt like the show was really counting off lights. Although when you start a series by saying we've got X amount of something, it does seem MacGuffin-y or plot progression-y. Here we are with two episodes left and three lights. How do you feel? How do you feel they're going to deal with the lights? And do you think that they should be sort of knocking these lights out sort of one by one? I mean, I've been concerned since the beginning that this wasn't all going to wrap up at the end of the season. <laughs> you think that some of the so lights are going to carry over into the next season? I guess, yeah, like it, I just all kind of rest on the next two episodes. But I also, I'm, I wasn't convinced that Dr. Burnham was telling the truth about not knowing mm. what they are. Okay. Because she was so kind of like, hostile and then she's like lights what are you talking about what lights i don't i just need to get out of here and i was like i don't really know but i'm starting to feel like they really just don't know what's going on (laughs) what uh the people on the ship or the people in the writer's room um well um i mean sorry Sorry about my tea the characters (laughs) but um i mean it could go either way. I guess we'll see yeah. if we know what the lights are by the finale. <laughs> maybe it's the writers. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's something that I've thought about and sort of ruminated on as we've gone through these first two seasons of Discovery, which have been generally very strong. But we're in a position where, man, I hope Michelle Paradise doesn't knock a bank over or something like that, because I'd like to get through one season with no upheaval in terms of leadership in the show. Like, when you see them set up something, and we go through a couple episodes, you know, where you're led by a particular head writer or showrunner, and then you have to flip to somebody else, or somebody gets, you know, you know, somebody quits before we've even really started putting things on tape, you have to wonder how that affects the direction of a show. And so I just wonder if them sometimes tracking lights, or sometimes that's important, sometimes that's not, sometimes we're going to take a detour to Talos 4 or something like that. I wonder if those structural pickups uh, or sort of bumps in the road come from uh, chaos behind the scenes in terms of leadership or if they just they wouldn't have done it any other way if they had another chance I definitely think that part of the trouble this season maybe even most of the trouble is because of the actual troubles they had um, with leadership but um, I mean I think uh, a lesser show would have had a much much rockier second season with the same stuff happening you know what i mean yeah. i think they're doing a really good job but um i think that you can tell that something changed in the middle yeah um i agree and i think that that is a good picture of the situation um well let's 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 get into the episode proper here um what did you think overall of through the valley of shadows i liked it um it was a little the stuff the more like sort of soap opera stuff um seemed like it seemed like they didn't really have enough time for it like the stuff with pike was like really emotional and then he was just like in a complete state of shock afterwards and then ash and laurel are revealing to everyone that they have a son and that all happened really really fast and i feel like it needed more more time like they were rushing a little bit through like there's a certain amount of stuff that has to get done by the finale yeah. And it was just like they're checking off stuff on the list, but um, I mean, I li- I liked it a lot. It it was yeah. very it was very emotional. <laughs> it's probably also another reason that they added the extra episodes at you know at the end of this season to just get oh yeah that definitely. In. And they're definitely serving a lot of masters here with because we have to 
actually, I'm not sure that we did. I, I did like the um, sort of side trip to the Section 31 ship where we reintroduce um, Lieutenant Gant and everything. I mean, the second he comes on, it's like, okay, well, he's a robot guy, right? Like, he's, Yeah, right? He's, I was he's like, gonna, there's he's gonna no turn on them. way. One, one dude is alive yeah. and, and Michael knows him. <laughs> but they already knew that control could take people over. And so, except for the ship trying to, um, you know, scarper away with them and take them somewhere, we didn't really learn anything. And then... I guess, like, there's a conversation between Michael and Spock in the shuttle on the way there that doesn't really deepen, you know, their conflict, which I was hoping was resolved at this point. We just kind of get we just kind of get more of the same with them, you know, and then we're set up to know that we've got to go somewhere at the end of the episode. And I just felt like that sidetrack. We could have spent a lot more time. Just think of all the mysteries of of the time cave or whatever, you know, in uh, in Borath. You know, we could have done more there, but it was clearly that was all based around seeing this moment um, that Pike has this vision of his future. What do you think of that? What did I think of Pike's vision? Yeah. Um, I was actually I was really surprised that they went for the full thing. Like I was like, oh, he's gonna glimpse something and be afraid but they they went for the whole thing <laughs> it was very sad pike is just such a he's so like wholesome like him just <laughs> laying on the ground like clutching his like uh <laughs> like freaking delta pin yeah, and being yeah. like you are a starfleet captain you love Starfleet, I was like, me too, dude. Like, right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like a big sacrifice. Like, we're always like, you have to make the the biggest sacrifice ever if you're gonna get a time crystal. And instead, it's like, you want to see your future? It's kind of screwed up. But like, you can take the crystal if you want after. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the in the Kryptonite Cathedral is what I thought of that as. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, boy, I just don't, I don't know how to feel. Clearly, they've been leading up to this. Clearly, I feel like they see this as a pivotal moment um, for that character. And I think one of the reasons, like the second they thought, oh, let's have Pike on the show, they th- thought of a scene like this. Yeah, oh, definitely. And for me, it's like, you know, it's fine. It isn't the kind of thing that, you know, we talk about, you know, trying to preserve canon, but like, let's not let it be a shackle. Let's let it be a guide. For me, it doesn't really add anything. Like, it's just like they take no. a situation. Yeah. We, we see a specific moment where he literally knows he's going to become, you know, melty face, beepy guy in the future. And he decides specifically, well, I got to do it no matter what, because I'm a hero. But when that happens to him, he is a hero because he's literally like saving these trainees' lives when his face gets That's blown what I was off. thinking. It's I was just like, a sort of so, yeah. It's just a duplication. It's redundant. Like we already know that he is going to make that choice. So, and their their depiction of that moment was interesting. Um, I mean, this show is never uh, steered away from spending money, but I thought it was interesting that they chose to actually depict that moment instead of just you know, having him see something that we don't see or, or sound effects or, or something like that. But for me, it's like, this is where, you know, hitting the cute reference button became just laying on the reference horn <laughs> as far as like, yeah. uh, Hey, it's Captain Pike. You know, Hey, remember this is going to happen. 
it's like everyone already watching Anson Mount be beautiful on screen is like thinking <laughs> about how he's going to become melty face BB guy. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. everyone's already every scene with him in it is everyone like having a, just a bittersweet moment the entire time being like, oh, he's so perfect. And soon he will be horribly horribly disfigured yeah. <laughs> <Is> it like <laughs> it's kind of like seeing um i can't remember if lord of the rings did this because i'm in star trek brain right now but it's kind of like seeing a character uh who you know in the future is going to die or turn evil or something like that seeing them kind of at their best boromir. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe there you go boromir it's, yeah it's boromir before the breaking of the fellowship yeah <laughs> right yeah seeing the flashback at Asgiliath. okay i'm back in lotr brain <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like seeing that and just knowing boy, it's going to get bad. A scene like, like for instance, the scene where he talks to Vina um, in episode mm-hmm. seven, I think it is, that that's like sort of a sequel scene. You know, like you could imagine that he he's separated from this woman that he clearly cares about. He can never go back there under penalty of death unless you're Michael Burnham. She can get away with anything. Uh, and he has a chance to have this sort of long distance conversation with her and it brings sort of closure or some sort of development to their relationship. But this feels like a cover song. You know what I mean? Like this just feels like kind of going back and like, you're not going to hire a guy to play Christopher Pike and we're not going to try to show that scene. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to give his character some kind of depth or like when he, I feel like when he like finally, when he leaves at the end of the season, like, I feel like we're supposed to see something, we're going to want to see something behind Anson Mount's eyes. Like, he knows that he has this, like, dark... Oh, it's, it's so much more tragic, though, if he's like, hey, hit it, let's see what's out there. He's like, that was fun, exactly. okay, yeah. okay. It and then he takes off, and it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if he was just the same, like, dad captain the entire way through, but instead he's <laughs> I like... No, he's sad daddy now. He's, like, <laughs> invisible Hashtag he's, sad like, daddy. disassociating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I fully understand why they did it i just you know i don't think you don't have to tinker with that too much anyway that's how i feel uh what else should we talk about you were uh, mentioning before um hey uh, everybody we've got a kid and uh <laughs> he reveals that to michael and i guess we still haven't seen this scene where they kiss or whatever but she is definitely whatever is passed between them she cares about him for sure. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That must have been so tough. You know, she gives him that sort of support. So that was kind of nice to see. I'm just so <laughs> it, like this. I was just trying to picture like you're Michael and you're kind of ex, but also you just kissed him because you thought you were going to die yeah. Um, is like, I'll give me one second and I'll just get my other my only other ex on the phone and she'll bring us to the super secret Klingon planet. No problem. Because like we're tight like that. And then she goes to his quarters to see him and have like a private conversation. But instead of having a private conversation with your ex, who's not really your ex, instead you find out that his other ex like is his baby mama and that he has a secret child. (laughs) Like, and she barely blinks the whole time. Right. Next week on scandal. Yeah, exactly. And then it was just, and then it was just over. Yeah. Yeah, um, like Pike's reaction was better because he was just yeah. like, "Oh my, God, I'll go, I'll go." If you stop yeah. yelling, yeah, <laughs> yeah, having like, him... you guys are having a domestic in my ready room, like it needs to be over. 
having him look sad is at least something new for him to do other than just look like, <laughs> what is happening with all these people on this ship? Yeah. <laughs> but I did think that that was cool that it was just that's that's very Kirk. It's like, let's beam the captain down. I'll take care of it. <laughs> it was alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, there was a f- interesting uh, – just going back to the idea of like um, are we going to see these lights or not, I liked how they kind of lampshaded in the uh, early part of the episode because they're all talking about the signal. And Burnham's just kind of done. She's like, why are we doing this? Why are we going after these signals? Who cares? Clearly it's not that important. And they kind of kick it around for a while. And Pike's like, well, there's nothing else for us to do, so I guess we're just going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kind of how I felt. Like, okay, I'm ready for the finale of this thing. Let's see where this is going to go. Also, just, like, poor Pike actually is, like, the dad. It's, like, all of his officers keep having these weird breakdowns and then just, like, acting like teenagers in, like, meetings (laughs) with senior officers. It's, like, two weeks ago it was Saru just being, like, well, we're going to murder everyone. Now I'm angry, Saru. And now Burnham's, (laughs) like, obviously nothing matters because my mom was alive the whole time. Like. Yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. Uh, I liked the one kind of scene that we got with Saru where he's sort of acting as captain. And he made an interesting comment, which was that uh, he attributed the um, the objective of whoever's behind the signals that maybe they wanted him to be uh, more brash, you know, be the kind of uh, uh, more in, in control captain that he is because they orchestrated the whole situation where he, you know, went through Verharai. I, when he said that for a second, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so smart. And then I thought about it and I, I mean, to me, Saru before was already like a fantastic Starfleet officer and captain. And now it's like, if his like anxious, whatever tendencies somehow did make him a worse captain, that's gone now. But he, it didn't take him that long to completely get it under control. I feel like it seems like he's not making like those sudden, like court martial worthy decisions that he was at first. And now it's like if I was his enemy, I would be like more concerned. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. Um, I wish that we, you know, we had a lot of Saru earlier on, and I'm sure he'll come into play in the finale but i wish that we would get another look at him you know the new saru mm-hmm. um i just want to put a vote well, I think in oh no go maybe ahead. next week maybe next week yeah probably um i actually um i read the um captain saru uh comic by kirsten, uh, kirsten Beyer and mike johnson and it is pre him going through Viharai, but it's it's a story about him kind of having to take over um, Discovery and, like, deal with stuff. And it's a it's a pretty neat story. I, like that I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting. Obviously, my dad, my dad like, pre-orders all the Star Trek comics at okay. our local comic book store. And so I'm waiting to go home and, like, just binge all the sure. disco comics that I'm not yeah. reading while I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Back on uh, Borath, we've got um, Valk and... Uh, uh, Laurel's child, uh, she's gone from CGI baby to CGI man. Oh, he's a real man. Uh, Tanavik is his name. I think it's interesting that they didn't name him at all. Um, could have picked something. Is it significant that he <laughs> named himself? I was assuming that uh, the other 
somebody at the monastery gave him a name. Oh, they said, okay. You be, you be Tadavik. That's a good name. Yeah. Like, they're used to getting, like, babies that are, like, sons and daughters of n- n- no name, no one, right? Sure. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> that's the deal is that, like, if you, for some reason, can't keep your Klingon baby because of some overdramatic reason, you can dump them here <laughs> and we'll take care of them forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe it's like uh, it's like hurricanes. They have like a different one for every um, <laughs> alphabet letter. And he's there, and they're dealing with time crystals. And we we learn that the time crystals have weird properties. Um, of course, a baby is now a man. Uh, also, they can make things grow and stuff like that. And so, this hot, <laughs> I'm kind of lost at this point. I, I guess they need a time crystal uh, discovery desk for some reason. But like, do you think that? Oh, I want to mention real fast. I loved. Um, uh, Pike's North Face parka, his little Starfleet. Uh, oh my god, parka. I was going to talk <laughs> about fringe. that when he comes in. Yeah, ooh, so cold out there. Uh, but they're <laughs> uh, they're timekeepers, uh, which is interesting. Um, and I'm wondering where we're going with this. <laughs> They've got pillars of the present and the past and the future, and I wonder if we are looking at having some huge, uh, other than just you know what we've already seen with the Red Angel, some huge uh, intervention of time travel in the finale. I mean, nothing that he said made any sense to me. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. I'm really just hoping that we can put the theory that he is uh, the albino to bed. Like, now we know his name. He's got his own thing going on. Like, <laughs> Right. But now that we know that his you know, aging is in question here, he could definitely <laughs> live until the 24th century. And here we go again. Uh, how many albino Klingons with no parents? are there <laughs> yeah no kidding um two well actually no just one now or one and a half yeah. <laughs> uh meanwhile uh let's see uh, spock and michael go to find this uh ship that was scuttled by an ai and of course they find lieutenant cameron gant who is not exactly who they think he is what do we really learn through this we learn that the so we got a confirmation on nanobots we know for sure it's nanobots mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um we know that and they all can... it takes to beat them is like some magnets on the floor how do they work magnets yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah i mean i thought that was a good way to incapacitate whatever it was but they can also replicate or, or come out of the body and turn into like yeah a that thing. was weird they and come after you yeah so it isn't just <laughs> I'm going to hold you down and shoot you with this uh, needle, uh, Michael Burnham. Uh, also, maybe we can sort of grab you like that. And they want Michael uh, for some reason. Yeah. Do we, I mean, Spock seemed to think it was because she specifically is a threat. But I don't know why she would be more of a threat than in that exact moment. Why is she more of a threat than Spock? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. why would they go specific? Why would they split Michael and Spock off? Like just then, you know, as opposed to like going for somebody higher up. Like, should Pike be in more danger? Should like an yeah. admiral be in more danger? I don't know. Yeah. I think this would probably help stoke the fires that you know Michael is also the Red Angel, like that theory. Or will become in time the Red Angel. If we still don't really know a lot about control, we don't know if control that they're dealing with now is acting merely with the present information, or if there's some sort of if they're acting with foreknowledge in the way that uh, Doctor Burnham was. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot we don't know, and there's two more episodes left. 
Um, I mean, she's the main character. That's the reason they're after her. <laughs> but, but also, uh, she's yeah, she's dangerous, uh, dangerous and or useful to them somehow. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> it's the same. I think it was last week. I was like, I don't know what's happening, and <laughs> I still am a little like, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Where we're going. Yeah. I also hate that thing that they do in, in shows like this. And it's hard to keep track of time travel stuff. But when you've got another signal appears. Now, we know that, you know, they've sent um, Burnham in the suit, uh, Dr. Burnham in the suit back to the future. But they're in the future. So they're like, another signal? Well, we know that they're she doesn't have the suit anymore. And it's like, but she's in the future. She can come back at any time in any order. Yeah. Like, this could totally yeah. still be. That's how time travel works, guys. But whatever. We've got to keep some narrative here. So... I also liked um, the idea that, again, they've got to kind of, and this will have to, this will come out in the wash uh, in the finale, but they've kind of got to keep Discovery sidelined or be careful what they do because they, this, this, uh, the sphere data, the file is, is stuck, you know, in their ship on transfer. Like that's the only place the file is. So if Control gets their hands on this file, that's game over. So they have to sort of protect the ship. And of course, um, I guess we can talk about it now. Like we, we learn, you know, coming up uh, in the next couple episodes, uh, it seems like section 31 is uh, the, the entire fleet, I guess is coming after discovery. Okay. Can we just, is section, does section 31 have 31 ships? <laughs> is that, did you say that line? <laughs> apparently they do. Yes. Through like 30 ships it's almost the whole fleet and i was like back up a second because that's more distracting than yeah. anything else in this episode <laughs> yeah uh they're really on brand uh with that thing yeah <laughs> i wonder if uh, i i think it's going to become clear uh at the end of this season um people's questions will be answered about like why don't we see section 31 in the future i think i think we're going to find out i think um it looks like, and I guess we'll just talk about what's coming up next week. Looks like Discovery <laughs> and Enterprise are going to team up to uh, probably cut down that number a little bit. Um, do we think they're actually going to uh, self-destruct uh, Discovery? Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's no way, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You think season three of Discovery <laughs> is going to be Star Trek Discovery, but not Discovery? Yeah. Also, can you just imagine, um, like somebody telling Stamet that they're gonna that they're gonna blow up the ship? Can you right. imagine, like, right? <laughs> they he's wouldn't the, need to initiate self-destruct because just Stamet's got, brain would just go. Yeah, he's running out with armfuls of uh, of mushroom bushes, and yeah. Uh, so is the port drive still broken? Because they, you know, they're worried about these ships converging on them. And I'm like, you can literally go anywhere. You can go to Andromeda Galaxy, you know, if you want to. Yeah, like, you yeah. can just bug out. So um, I've lost track of that. I'm a, I'm a bad podcast host. <laughs> but to be fair to me, it, it's it's hard to keep track of. I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that the fact that they have made uh, Discovery so mission critical to this situation and the fact that they are under threat of um, destruction um, from 30, you know, presumably comparable ships uh, makes me mm -hmm. think that we're going to pull the card here on on Calypso 
um, we're going to find out what the plan is in terms of, you know, maybe they, what, what happens if you put a time crystal in a spore drive, for instance, maybe a ship can um, hide for a thousand years. And then once it's done, whatever it needs to do, it can, you know, jump back and and we'll get it back somehow. But yeah, I do Mm -hmm. think that they are going to take discovery off the board in some way. Well, yeah, because the other thing is like, obviously in the future, nobody's talking about mushrooms. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, explain at that. At some point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, at least the spore drive has to go. I don't know. Presumably, maybe they just get really hungry kind of, and eat all the mushrooms. Like, I might be, <laughs> I might be a little excited if they blow up the ship. Honestly, <laughs> wow. Just because okay. it's so like, I mean, remember how, like, like it's like the Shenzo went right away like right and now i feel like they just have this reputation of like well we're just gonna do anything we're game of thrones but star trek like we just keep yeah we just keep blowing up ships left and right (laughs) um and then they they didn't do they uh spock and michael came back but we don't learn the fate of the ship they left i don't think do we they just kind of leave that ship so Maybe they couldn't afford it, like in the budget, but I would have liked to have seen them go. All right, well, we're gonna self-destruct this thing, right? Like we—that's why there's 30 ships. We got rid of this one because presumably, if it's run by an AI, those 30 or 31 ships don't need a crew. Like they could just, you know, come after Discovery. You're right. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> They're like almost the entire fleet, including the one that Michael and Spock left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got them. <laughs> blew them up i also like i want to know where it was taking them yes yes you know somewhere outside of federation space i think is what they said yeah like but like i want to know exactly where and why they're like nothing the delta quadrant (laughs) because borg Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I, I mean this in the best way. I want it to be over. Let's just come on. Let's just, let's just get this over with. I want the end I'm, already. Yeah, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what, <laughs> what happens, what they do, and then we're gonna have to wait for so long yeah. <laughs> to, but like, what if it's not? I mean, they have to either completely wrap it up, and then we'll have no idea what's happening next season or well i'm assuming there will be you know a, a cliffhanger but like i just yeah i don't know I just, every, every week i'm like i don't know what's gonna happen and then every week i'm still just like i have no idea what's gonna happen next week. <laughs> i wouldn't mind a little stronger cliffhanger than we got before i mean it was so it was kind of dicey you know rebooting the mm-hmm. show on a cable streaming network or not even cable and so they have a little thing like, ooh, it's the Enterprise. But I'd like a whole full-on, you know, fire Mr. Worf, like, cliffhanger. Like, you know, we know that the, sh- <laughs> the show can survive. It's been renewed. Like, people are into it. Like, let's let's use that. Let's – I wouldn't mind – I mean, I, you know, the things that we've talked about I want resolution on. But, like, yeah, give us something big. Like, maybe Discovery does – is supposedly destroyed. Maybe we're off the ship. Maybe we're – I guess we can't be on the Enterprise, but I don't know, bring the hood in or something like that. Like, have our crew scattered and have to sort of reassemble. Yeah. I, um... I was also... This is a little off-topic. During this episode, I was like, you know, they destroy Disco. Pike goes back to Enterprise. 
And like, there's one other character that we know of that has to also go back to the Enterprise <laughs> at some point. Right. Um. Yeah. Does Spock want to put a uniform on anytime soon? Oh my God, I was going to bring that up. He literally, <laughs> he's just doing it. He was a fugitive, and now he's just doing whatever he wants, where he just gets to wear these, like, Peter Bayless jackets the whole time. And <laughs> yeah, just, right. like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go with my sister, if that's okay. And Pike's yeah. like, whatever you want. Like, obviously, you're the one in charge here. No one cares what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure we'll get that. They're, they're, they're holding, them, holding that out for us. Um, speaking of what we see in the uh, next episode, um, of course, we see people evacuating. Uh, we see what looks like a battle or spoiling for a battle. And I'm not a big freeze frame guy, but I did freeze frame one part. And on the screen, when Pike is talking, we see the word Kahea, which is a Hawaiian word, which means to call out. I'm assuming that is the name of a ship, but who knows? Wow. That's, That's big. Freeze frame facts with Aaron. <laughs> new segment. <laughs> Uh, we've already I've kinda... never, I've <laughs> never paused the show and tried to read something in the background. Oh no, really? <laughs> no. Uh, that's how we. Uh, now that they have the, um, I mean, we had them for a while, but the remasters of TNG. A lot of people went in and discovered <clears throat> the little in jokes in the acudograms, you know, and the displays I was say, that were yeah. <laughs> clearly not meant to be seen. But now, you know, with the new resolution, that you could. Uh, let's see. So we're already kind of talking about what's coming up. I think the big question that's left, other than the new questions that we found, uh, are what are the lights? Like, what do you think that the lights are? Like, what's your final ruling before presumably we find out uh, next week or the week after? I have to I have to I have to buckle down. <laughs> on one. Um, oof. Have we so the lights? show up and then oh dr burke shows you're, up you're asking the wrong guy That's it? i yeah i mean they i think that they are separate even though they both are red <laughs> i think they are separate <laughs> so but yeah but so the current if we're to believe dr burnham she has nothing to do with them right therefore somebody else is just putting these red lights in the sky so is it just is it just for disco to notice them like is somebody just going like your next plot point is over here <laughs> uh yeah maybe possibly um i th you know you know uh the red angel revealed them to spock previously or or something like that because he you know had this vision in his head like saw them but um yeah otherwise i i think that's what we know what you said Okay, well, I, <laughs> I don't... Is this what you wanted, <laughs> CBS? Because this is what we're doing. I'll throw something out there. Um, maybe they're bad. Maybe they're from the bad guys. Maybe the they are, like, somehow being projected. Maybe they signify something for the squids, robot, AI things in the future. As in, like, these are important parts or points in time uh, or space. And so we're going to send something or do something. And they've been kind of what 
uh, Dr. Burnham has been trying to counteract, you know, or, or change or something um, as the Red Angel. Like maybe they're not what we think they are. We think that they're beacons. We're Starfleet. We explore. We rush to mystery and danger. And maybe they are somehow like signify bad things or they're, or they're things to be avoided or coming from somebody with a sinister purpose. Yeah. Harry Mudd is. Or, um, no. <laughs> um, are they each, I guess they're all at like, they're all events that if they had gone the other way as it, like not. So like if the light hadn't shown up, above the monastery and Disco hadn't gone there, then they wouldn't have gotten the time crystal. Or like if the red signal hadn't showed up above the friggin' the church, then Disco wouldn't have gone there. And they so like points, like events that could be changed is what I'm saying. I feel like I, I'm always like there's the thing with time travel is that sometimes there's events that can't be changed no matter what but it's like maybe these are the ones that can be changed so like if it is evil then maybe it's like <laughs> the, they're like so oh, you yeah. can go here and prevent discovery from getting the time crystal <laughs> yeah and also maybe there are things that are being um that are being done specifically to provoke the response that leads to something if they're being done from the perspective of the future so i've been trying to think about it too um i still don't know why the i guess i know why michael burnham or excuse me dr burnham would save people who are dying in a church in world war three but i don't understand why discovery was drawn there <laughs> except for pike to have this moment with this guy isaac i think his name was um mm -hmm. This later, this this Borath one, yeah, they do get a time crystal, but I think they probably could have just asked Laurel like where our time crystals are. <laughs> so it seems important that Pike had this moment where he glimpses his future and makes a choice about it. That seemed important. Mm -hmm. A couple of these seem mm -hmm. to sort of specifically center on Pike. I would say that, yeah. of course, the one on Kaminar, you know, is probably has to do with Saru. Yeah. That was a very important thing for him, mm -hmm. so... Um, <laughs> I feel so bad. The writers' room is like weaving this like intricate story, so dumb, and everyone's series are <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, I know. It's like, I'm literally, I'm a film student, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else that you want to uh, say <laughs> about this episode? Uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it is, it's something that will definitely be, like, I've been looking on Memory Alpha, and Memory Alpha, I guess I'm not exactly sure how it would uh, codify it, but it doesn't even have an entry for signal, like, signals, red signals, or signals discovery. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think we're all, well, it depends on what YouTube channel you go to, but I think most people are, are waiting for the answer at this point. Um, they've woven this story that... Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, maybe we're too dumb to understand it, but um, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for the climax at this point. So 
We, as a show, will be there for you listeners with uh, as we go into the climax. So uh, stay tuned, and thanks for listening this week. Uh, if you like what you hear here, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates, and you can get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. Uh, we've also got a discussion group on Facebook called Enterprising Interlocutions. If you like the kind of spiky <laughs> involved discussion that we had about all things discovery on this show that's the kind of thing we do on that group too so you can find us by going to facebook.com forward slash eist pod and join up with that group uh you can also tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag discoverage or you can email us at eistpod at gmail.com and while you're on the internet go to your listening platform of choice or your podcatcher and subscribe to our show and give us a rating and a review if you think of it because it really helps us out also we've got some merch you can check out our t-shirts on our t public store if you go to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash just enough trope all one word uh, you can find our snazzy trek wear uh, phone cases mugs anything you want there and if you really like the show please tell a friend Discoverage will return on April 11th for the next episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. That episode is titled... We don't know. We don't know yet. They're playing it pretty close to the chest. We do know it's written by Alex Kurtzman, Jenny Lamette, and Michelle Paradise, who of course have all written on the show previously. Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise are the showrunners for the next season of Star Trek Discovery. That episode is directed by Olatunde Osunsamni, so we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, you can check out our main show at Enterprising Individuals at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday, I and a guest discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek sphere, updates on Star Trek Discovery, and interviews with special guests. On this week's episode, I spoke with Heel Mary and Gooey Fame of the Existence is Futile podcast. We talked about an episode of DS9, the episode Necessary Evil which is a good one, and it is a noir-themed episode. Odo gets to do some detectiving in that one. It's pretty good. Check it out. You can find conversations like that, off-topic rants, DS9 and Voyager episode recaps, and more at our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. Uh, our most recent episode of Enterprising Individuals is available at enterprisingindividuals.com or on your podcatcher of choice. Thanks to Ella, as always. Check out Generations Geek. Their most recent episode, episode 45, is now, now out. They're talking about aliens on that one, not like Vulcans and stuff. They're talking about the movie Aliens by James Cameron, featuring the xenomorphs, of course. And that's it for us. Thanks for listening, and we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying live long and prosper. Yeah.